Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! It's time for Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. I'm Rachel. I was going to try and make a sound effect, but I can't do that like you can. Oh. What do you do? Like, pew, pew, pew. I can't do it. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Like the trumpets yeah, that that's usher good. us in. I love it. We are back and it is time for your weekly update on all the royal news you need to know. We're heading into a long weekend, so I feel like we have a lot of pep in our step in our we voices. Do. We mean. have a lot of pep. <laughs> Bring it on. A couple of royal reminders, as always. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. You can also send us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com. We have a wonderful listener email today. And subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Rachel, how's it going? It's good. I will say I have pep, but I'm also have a little low, low-key anxiety because we're moving this week. And I just have like as soon as we finish recording, I'm back to packing. It's just like Hacking, you went through it recently. It's just a lot, right? It is. It's it's overwhelming. You have to do it. I think you're doing it right though, and breaking it up into chunks. Like I think yeah, but that it that's still isn't method. enough. Like I think we started too late in the game, and now we just have so much still. It's like the eleventh hour things where you're like, we should just throw this out, but then it feels so wasteful. So we're trying to find. We went and did a last another run to U-Haul to get more boxes this morning at like oh, seven a.m. Oh <laughs> my gosh, I know, so. I know it well. But once you're once you're done with that, then you can really just I'll just look at your Instagram photos for like what the after is because it's always so like lovely your deck space I love looking at it and that you'll be back in New York that's such a good reward for all of this that feels like a milestone when you just think about like the last 18 months especially just it's been crazy and you'll be on vacation before you know it yes yes we're gonna get into all that but we have so much in this episode we want to talk about but we also want to flag that this is one of a two-part episode because Roberta and I were incredibly cognizant with our producers of the fact that our episode goes live on Thursdays, the same day as the event we've been waiting for for years, which is, it feels like years, right? It's, I can it say is. Years. It's been years. 2017 is when they announced the statue. Okay, okay. So technically it's been years. So right. So the Diana statue unveiling is happening the same day this episode goes live. So as a special gift to our beloved Roros, we are having a bonus episode that will go live on Friday. That will just kind of go over what Tomorrow. happens. Yeah. yeah. So we're really pretty pumped for that. Uh, but in this episode, we also are talking about the Scotland tour that the Queen is on with William, as well as Princess Anne, who's due to arrive. We're getting into the report about the Sovereign Grant, as well as celebrating it, raising a glass to what would have been Diana's 60th birthday. So a lot to talk about in this week's episode. Yeah. And we definitely couldn't miss out on just recapping quickly the statue unveiling. So definitely tune in Friday to listen to that recap. And Roberta, we also should take a minute just to mention that as part of this, we will actually be on vacation next week. We should mention that as well. Woo! woo. <laughs> I Which hope everyone like, gets a long weekend. I know. I feel like we're just taking a much you know needed pause and, and really like taking a beat for ourselves. But we are not leaving you high and dry. 
the very words I feel like apply because we are having <laughs> a special episode where we are going over cocktails in the royal family with Noah Rothbaum, who's the drinks editor at Daily Beast. So it'll be really fun and I think apropos, apropos, uh, given the festivities of Fourth of July week. Exactly. All right, I'm done. That was a lot of info. Yeah, it is. Celebrating America, though, with a drinks editor is is so much fun and so apropos, you said. I feel like that's perfect. And it's lovely to chat about royal cocktails with yeah. Noah. So, so definitely much tune in next week. I had to get out I of the know, way. I know. Okay, so, so moving on to our royal refreshment. <laughs> Cheers, perfect Rachel. Timing. Cheers with my marvelous Miss Maisel glass. Sorry, I'm not I on brand. I love it. <laughs> And now it's time for the Weekly Royal Cocktail. So we're sipping Rosa Regale. I'm doing the sparkling red from Bonfi. I'm actually doing the sparkling white. Sparkling white? How is that? Is it's it good. It's crisp. Yeah, delightful. Yeah. Sparkling red is my favorite, actually. I love Lambrusco. That's what this is. This tastes like, which is so summery. And you chill it and you have it outside. I feel like... I actually topped mine. I added gin and some lemon juice to make like a pseudo French 75. I just topped it off with the sparkling white, but it's very refreshing and summery. It's one of my favorite summer drinks. Yum. All right. As we're sipping, we're going to read a lovely listener email. So same as last week, we had more Diamond Jubilee emails pouring in. They are such a delight to vicariously live through. Carrie sent us this wonderful note, and we've shortened it a little bit here for time's sake. So she said, hi, Roberta and Rachel. I lived in London in 2011 and 2012 for grad school, so I got to attend some of the 2012 Olympics and many of the Diamond Jubilee events. I remember getting up very early to get a spot along the mall to see the carriage procession. There was so much pomp and circumstance, but a very fun atmosphere. I was with a few other Americans for my grad program for these events, and we decided we couldn't miss the opportunity to see these once-in-a-lifetime celebrations. I saw the Queen and three other royals three times in the span of three days. It was wild. I've attached some kind of blurry photos. Cell phone cameras have come a long way since 2012. Enjoy, Carrie. Ah, these photos. She got one of Kate, William, and Harry all together. It's so good. The queen. She was so close. Unbelievable. Also, the line about just like the fact that it is a once in a lifetime celebration. I definitely have regrets that I didn't make the effort to go over for like Kate and William's wedding and Meghan and Harry's wedding because you recognize how important these events are. And so we have a chance next year with the Platinum Jubilee. I was going to say it's twice in a lifetime now because we have this huge celebration coming up. We are, you know, speaking of the Platinum Jubilee, we are getting sort of a few updates about next year in addition to this headline about the fact that Harry and Meghan have officially been invited. And I just feel like, to me, that's not a surprise. It's someone just trying to do like another clickbait headline, but also just, you know, the Daily Mail's coverage of it, it was all about the line up on the balcony and will they or won't they be included up there? And I just think, again, it's like finding the negativity. If this is confirmed, you know, it's it's always that angle that they take. I worry about the Sussexes being there just because I feel like there's so many opportunities for them to make it look like they're being snubbed because one of, I I think the Daily Mail article or maybe a different one mentioned like, oh, it can only be working royals on the balcony. So no one else can be up there. So Harry and Meghan won't be up on the balcony. It's like, this is, I I just think it's twisting it. A grandmother, a loving grandmother inviting her doting grandson to an event that he obviously is going to be included in as family. It just feels like every time there's just a way to make it feel like the Sussexes are being left out. And it's because- they successfully, I feel like, forge their own path. So it is yeah, what it is. Yeah. We'll just expect it from now Perfect on. Perfect segue into the next topic, I guess, because yeah, I'm sure exactly. we'll see a lot of it this week. All right. Well, this week in royal history. And now, 
This week in royal history. You're flashing back to Princess Diana. Diana Frances Spencer was born on July 1st, 1961 at Park House near Sandringham. Obviously, July 1st is also the day of the statue unveiling and the day that this podcast episode airs. So what a big we'll day. definitely be covering. I know, huge. So what we know about the statue unveiling so far, and obviously as this comes out Thursday, we'll know more and talk about it on Friday. But Kate and Charles supposedly won't be there. Charles has a trip to Scotland planned, and it's looking like they want to keep this very small and low-key. So aside from William and Harry, the only people expected to attend are close family of Diana, which I would expect would be her sister, Sarah and Jane, and also her brother, Charles. There is also going to be members of the statue committee, which are some of Diana's friends and also a former equerry. And the sculptor, Ian Rank Broadley, and garden designer, Pip Morrison. So just some questions, I feel like open-ended questions we have going into this. How would Diana feel about the state of her son's relationship? I think that's one of the biggest questions. Like, will this be a warm event or will it be more of separate speeches you know very cold but distant like yeah that kind or of thing. very very orchestrated I guess is yeah. what, like putting Re- on a rehearsed, show yeah yeah rehearsed exactly what do you think <sighs> yeah just... I think for me I'm just really hopeful that it's like not just for appearances at this point I think I read maybe it was Vanity Fair that they will get some time ahead of the ceremony at, to privately view the statue I just I hope that there's a lot of, you know, conversations at a minimum going on right now. I this obviously there's a lot of you know, conflict that they have to work through, but at the very least I hope that these continual, you know, Harry making the effort to go to the UK like that opens a door and they have these in-person moments. It's important with the pandemic to, you know, we've been apart for so long to make sure that you're taking advantage of those times together, I think. And I just thought of this too, like I think it is kind of good that Kay and Megan won't be there just because I feel like it is a chance for the brothers to just one-on-one without anyone else there kind of cut through the noise of everything that's been going on, everything that's being said about their relationship and really hopefully at least be able to do this in honor of their mother's memory, which we have, like we mentioned before, been looking forward to since 2017 when it was announced. Yeah. That was – 2017 was the 20th anniversary of her death. Yeah. So it just – I feel like if without other people there, which we know Kate played somewhat of a royal peacemaker at Prince Philip's wedding, but I do think it is nice to have just the brothers. So Yeah, I also feel like it's going to be incredibly powerful, the images of just, you know, Harry and William and Diana's family for the most part and, you know, the sculptor and the people involved. Uh, I just think that it feels like this circle and really the people that went through it so intimately back when Diana passed away. So I think that it's going to be really um, moving for all of us watching. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm looking forward to it, but I, I mean, actually, I do want to say that I'm looking forward to it because I think also just Ian Rank Broadley's work is unbelievable. You should definitely make a point if, you know, anyone listening to check out his website for sure. It's, I can't wait to see the final result. I can't either. I'm so, so looking forward to seeing it. And also feeling like we have this opportunity to mourn such you know, an important figure, I feel like, for us as royal fans, but for everyone around the world, I feel like these opportunities to actually honor Diana's legacy in life are are not that often, you know? So it'll be really nice to be able to come together like that. Um, I think it's going to be such an incredible addition, you know, in her memory. And we also heard from Harry this week. So we got a little video for the Diana Award ahead of the statue unveiling. Here's a clip from that. Our mum believed that young people have the power to change the world. 
She believed in your strength because she saw it day in and day out. And in the faces of young people exactly like you, she witnessed a boundless enthusiasm and passion. And I too see those same values shine through. As it has done for 21 years now, the Diana Award carries her legacy forward by putting young people at the centre of our future. And this has never been more important, and Megan and I fundamentally believe that our world is at the cusp of change, real change, for the good of all. I had two immediate reactions to this. One, is Harriet Frogmore Cottage in this video for the Diana Award? What do you think? Oh, no, I definitely think it's um, Montecito. Oh, it is? Because, yeah, because you can see the nest, the edge of one of the nest photo, uh, not oh, photos, paintings. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry to ruin it. I watched it on my phone. Theory. I was like, it looked somehow different to me. It looked like a little bit older, like it just somehow, but I guess you know, I wasn't looking closely. It's a different corner of the room, of the room where the couch, the white couches that they oh, sit on, which I think right. looks like okay. a TV room. But you know where, how there was that one photo and there's those three, like the gallery of nest paintings or photographs oh you're right you know what i'm talking about so there's the edge of one okay and i forget who did those paintings but they're really beautiful but yeah it's it's definitely um but they had like you know a bouquet and stuff i i i feel like maybe <laughs> they have the same paintings at frogmore i don't know no no it's all right it's all right i'll let it go but the other thing is i just really liked the line that he, you know where he's saying that meg and i fundamentally believe that our world is on the cusp of change real change for the good of all separating everything from the royals i just think sometimes optimism is so nice to hear and it's so rare that we hear it do you know what I mean that's just so true separating the royals from all of this it's just been such a brutal year and I'm like okay this is someone whether it's true or not telling us that the efforts we're making are going to actually have a good result and I just need to hear that sometimes <laughs> you do you definitely do did you also notice that he mentioned William twice yes I did and I actually really think that that's interesting and it makes me think about, you know, sort of the churn of all these media headlines that we're seeing. It's like, I think maybe where Megan, that t I always think of this line where she said, I was nowhere, but I was everywhere. Like, there's a lot of, what's the word, just sort of, you know, churning out of this content. And we really don't know what the state of things are. And, you know, I think we'll maybe see more of it on Thursday. Yeah, I think, I mean, I want to be optimistic. The separate speeches, though, it just doesn't bode that well for them coming together. But maybe it's, but it's at the same, yeah. Like they have separate memories of their parents. Well, that's what I, I was going to say is I think that sometimes it would, it's almost like the Oscar speeches or something where you, everyone wants a turn to say their, what they want to say. And this kind of gives them equal time. And maybe that's more, I don't know. I'm, I'm applying the sibling dynamics again. <laughs> no, I love it. I just am picturing like someone getting played off the stage because yeah. their speeches <laughs> took too long. Like that's not going to happen hopefully. That would but be great, right? No, you're right. You're right. It's like you, you want to have your own time to kind of speak. And it, it would be weird. It's like who speaks on behalf of each of them. You know what I mean? Like if, if it was one speech, they'd have to switch off. That might be weird, the yeah. technicalities and logistics of that. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Moving on to okay. Scotland. Scotland. So this place. is a big uh, pandemic milestone in a lot of ways because the Queen is back for Hollywood Week, which I guess, you know, it was canceled last year. This year it's being done with a limited capacity. Like she cannot have the garden party with that 1,000 guests that she typically hosts. But the Queen is back. William, the Earl of Strathern. Am I saying that right, Roberta? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's um, right. Is uh, by her side or was by her side at the beginning of the week. And Princess Anne is joining Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday, which again, we don't know exactly what she'll be participating in because of when this episode 
is recorded. But this is the Queen's first visit to Scotland since the death of Prince Philip. So it is, you know, I it's a milestone moment for her in a lot of ways. Also, I just realized that they're about to visit Sterling as well, which is where I lived. It's really small, though, so I'm very surprised that they're going to visit there. But it's where the University of Sterling is, where my parents taught for a oh, year while so... they were on sabbatical You're there. such an insider on this. You're going to recognize all the photos when they, we get the official pics of what they do. Well, I wonder if they're going to the Wallace Monument, which is there. That's um, William Wallace from Braveheart and oh. played by Milka Gibson. Yeah, I just feel like that's so – that's like the, really the only thing that I feel like they could – I mean, there's a beautiful church there. There's the university. There's not much else. So I'm very curious to see how that will turn out. But oh, maybe so I'll see fun. some old childhood Way to place it for me, Roberta. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I saw Braveheart in the theaters, but I definitely covered my eyes for it. I, well, that, I was always like, the what do they call it? Like finger vision where they're like partially open, but you're not really watching. I would still cover my eyes for it, I think. I, I'm pretty sure that uh, that that's uh, what the landmark that makes it so famous because it's on a golf course there. And I could see, I could actually see, this is now all coming back to me. I could see the Wallace Monument from, from my bedroom when we lived there. So that's really funny. Anyways. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> I love, I loved that. Um, well, but it's also, you know, I think this, as part of the royal tradition, the queen stays at the house for a full week and it's, you know, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance. But I thought it's funny because we did recently see the Hollywood house because it was the site of the Cruella screening, which I still haven't watched. It's on my list actually for next week. Uh, so we did see it in a very fancy format. But anyways, um, about this pomp and circumstance that they're going through, this event just made me smile because the queen, as one of her first official engagements, she goes through a ceremony where she gets the keys to the city. They're handed to her by the Lord Provost of Edinburgh. And William was there for this. But immediately after, as part of the ceremony, she is given the keys and then she hands them right back over. And so she says, I return these keys, being perfectly convinced that they cannot be placed in better hands than those of the Lord Provost. And I just think that that's like... Such a funny, like, you know, I get the symbolism of it, but it's a very sort of like, here are the keys. No, 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 you take the keys. It just made me laugh. <laughs> made me laugh. I like it. I like I want to work that into like my daily life because I just think that that's so like sweet and kind and just funny. No, 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 you take the keys. You drive. Well, I couldn't take the keys because they just belong so perfectly in no, your no, hands. No, no, you, I am perfectly convinced they should be in your hands. Just made me laugh. <laughs> this is very like Dave cool. and I arguing who's going to drive. I'm like, no, no, no. You can take the keys. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I love it. I love it. These old little like traditions are so funny. Yeah. And speaking of traditions, they also went to AJ Barr's factory in Cumbernauld where William took a sip of Urn Brew. What is Iron Urn? Brew? Oh, Iron see, I don't brew. even know. Oh, God, it's terrible. Is it? It's the worst. Yeah, it's like bubblegum soda. Oh. And it's bright orange. It's br- I saw, I noticed orange. in the videos that it was bright orange. It's like more orange than Aperol and it is awful. If you ever wanted to drink carbonated bubblegum, that's what you should drink mixed with Pepto-Bismol. That's what it tastes like. And it's <laughs> horrible. And we would have it after school, I remember. And also um, another thing that Scotland is or like as a kid known for kind of the after school snack is iron brew and then anything deep fried. So you could have a deep fried slice of pizza. You could have just like how they, you know, deep fried fish and chips. Like there's that really fluffy fry on oh, the outside. Yum, yum. A deep fried hamburger, a deep oh, fried sounds incredible. Uh, Mars bar. Like, Why just... is this not at Smorgasburg in Brooklyn? We got to get some sort of. I guess of I should open a Scottish. You should. Well, but in iron brew's defense, they are known as the most popular carbonated drink 
in Scotland, and it rivals whiskey as the country's national drink. So I thought that was interesting. They've I been mean, around for more than might, a century. Yeah, yeah, some people might like it. Maybe people who are listening have tried it and like it. Let us know if you have, but I am not a fan. Yeah. I would rather sip <laughs> anything but that. <laughs> what was interesting as well is on the royal family social media account from this visit, they had quite a supercut video. Did you see that? I saw that. It was kind that. of the first. I, I scrolled back a good amount, and I really think this was one of the first times that the royal family account has embraced sort of a more modern, almost I don't like want to having, say gimmicky, but more modern social media. Yeah, almost like having social, uh, Will Williams, Prince William's social media team there kind of helped up their game a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it was nice. They helped I liked it. it all together. Yeah. I definitely but liked did, it. Do you get, did you see a reaction, William drinking it? Was he like, oh, this is good? I can't yeah, he seemed what. like he actually really liked it. I watched the BTS on it and he like had a, you know, I think he had more than a sip. He definitely, and he mentioned that he drank it a lot when he was training for the RAF. And I hope I'm not offending anyone by saying it's horrible. That's definitely just my personal opinion. All opinions expressed are my own. And <laughs> definitely tell me what you feel about it because I want to know. Oh uh, but gosh. yeah, it's, it, I don't think uh, we can go over and try it one day, Rachel. And All right. Tell me what your honest opinion of it. When is that? We have to get this Google Doc going. We're going to have to comb back through episodes with our list when we're there. I know. Uh, we did get word today, though. This was cool that Kate will be officially, William announced that Kate will officially be sponsor of the HMS Glasgow. And it's this is one of the new Type 26 ships that are under construction as a Royal Navy endeavor. And Kate, the, I guess what it means when she sponsors it is that Kate will have an ongoing relationship with the vessel and crew. So she'll attend any deployments. Any I also saw serves. she'll be at the naming ceremony and things like that. Like that's pretty cool. She's not a captain, but she's kind of Yeah, captain. she'll kind of like make sure she's you know, keeping tabs and shepherding them along, I think, and just Unofficial having, captain. yeah, uh, I did like this part of the announcement. It's a, it's a great moment for Kate, but also just that uh, there's a picture. Did you see, you can click the link that the kids, Prince William was gifted three models of the ship for the kids to paint, which is a very nice little cute oh, touch. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah, that's so. really sweet. But they're like models, but they also seem kind of bulky. So hopefully Whoa, they can tra- transport yeah. them well. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but I, I mean, it's great. You know, I think that it's just nice this in-person event, even if it's limited because of COVID, just being cognizant of numbers and the garden party being canceled. But the queen looks amazing. She was a vision in blue. She didn't wear a mask inside. I know people are kind of past that, but I think I still just feel like, why not? But Yeah, especially for her. But I think- Yeah, because she's, you know, 95. But, right. but anyways, you know, she's vaccinated and all that. So, uh, and this is an important trip again, because there's such a big push by Nicola Sturgeon for a vote a new vote on independence from the monarchy. So, yeah, it, it definitely sense. feels like they wanted I mean, this sounds terrible like throwing as many royals as they can at this cause, which is that they want to keep the union together and yeah. not have Scotland vote to leave. So, but I do think for S- Scottish people in particular, Brexit was such a big deal that um, you know, Scotland opposed Brexit. And so I, I think in a lot of ways this is is the time to kind of put your best royal foot forward and convince people that they need, you know, to stick together. But who knows? Who knows how this yeah. will all turn out? And I did love the pictures of the queen meeting with Nicola Sturgeon. I felt like mm-hmm. her dress was stunning. I mean, the queen just looked as lively and peppy as ever. And she looked so joyful. And they coordinated in blue. And it was very, it was very, uh, it was a nice scene there of them yeah. meeting. So I think that... um 
I mean, there's more to come from this Scottish tour. Sterling is on the map. I'm excited to see what happens next. <laughs> One more William update I want to get in that's actually William, Kate, and George update. As we know that William's back in London, Kate and William took George to watch England play in the European Championships at Wembley Stadium on Tuesday. There were so many great moments, mostly the George. Yeah, the tie. He- <laughs> this mini tie that he's wearing is so, so adorable. I don't think we've ever seen him in a tie, have we? I mean, Maybe once or twice, but like this was so cute. Yeah, because even for weddings, I feel like it's like not really a tie that he's worn. But no. um, I did find out that the uh, game, I guess, was at 5 p.m. And he went, I guess it was after school, which is just kind of funny. It's like a casual after school event. I'm dressing up and going to the game. And yeah. we know he's super into soccer or football, as they say. NBD meeting, meeting David Beckham after school. Like, geez. Yeah. Please. So he's, they said hello to David Beckham, took their seats. George apparently, you know, was seen singing the national anthem. So quality family, family night out. I love it. I love it. Right, moving on. So we have the Sovereign Grant that came out last week. And as a reminder, the Sovereign Grant funds the official duties of senior royals and maintains occupied palaces. So a lot to dig into with this, a lot of numbers that I'll be throwing out. But the two main things we want to dig into are the Sussexes repayment and diversity. But first, let's go through total spending. So that was 87.5 million pounds or $122 million. I'm going to mostly say these in dollars because I just feel like my brain, it's way easier to digest if it's in dollars. So I'll just stick to dollars. Cool. So that's a 26% increase from previous years, even though tourism income was down 53% 53% last year from COVID. Wow. They are That's a really blow. hard hit on the perch strings for that. Uh, the notable spends, though, I thought these were just interesting. Over $70 million goes to the Queen's events alone and her staff, which are a number 499 staff at Buckingham Palace. And the Buckingham Palace private secretary, Sir Edward Young, makes over 300000 a year, which I, I always feel like we hear about how little palace staffers make, but I was very surprised at 300000 probably 000. a pretty big job, but that's a hefty salary. That's true. Also, he reminds us of Higgins from Ted Lasso. Yeah, we did a, we did a Google photo search because we were just curious who he was, and he is a spitting image of Higgins. Of Higgins. Yeah, which is back in July. Woo-hoo. I know, so soon, so soon. Um, the helicopter trips for the royal family, over 900000 almost a million dollars wild helicopter trips. I mean, now it just reminds me of seeing the Cambridges at the helicopter, like, going to Anmer Hall. Like, that was their way they got to yeah. Anmer Hall every time they were going back and forth to London, which is kind of crazy. Wow. They spend over, <laughs> this is mind-blowing, nearly $700,000 on cleaning and laundry. What Holy. is that? Is that, like, staff? or like- I feel bad when I have to pay $5 to get my sweater dry cleaned. Dry cleaning is a bill. I, like, reg- every time I drop stuff off. 700000 Ugh. You'd think that would have gone down during the pandemic with every – I guess they're still dressing up for Zoom, but – I don't know. Is it like – is it the curtains need to be laundered specifically? Oh, interesting. It's probably way more than clothes, like the linens, all that stuff. Cleaning and laundry. That's just so mind-blowing. More than 900000 on rail travel, which a lot of people have said they need to retire the Royal Train because it's just too – it's not cost-effective at all. Oh, interesting. I mean, it does make people smile. It's a quick way to get around. What can you do? (laughs) 
All right, the two main things we want to dig into is the Sussexes repayment. So the Sussexes, as a reminder, paid back $3.3 million to the Sovereign Grant to cover the costs of the refurbishment of Frogmore Cottage. But that also, we found out with this Sovereign Grant, includes rent through March 31st of 2022. The interesting thing about that is I am curious why they're one, why they're paying rent, because this was a gift from the queen when they got married, the mm-hmm. home. And so it, I just think that's interesting. Also, what happens when their rent is expired? Are they not allowed to stay at Frogmore Cottage? Maybe it was Does like this, a temporary test to see if they want to con- – they had like a lease, you know, and they could continue the lease. Right. Maybe they'll continue to do that after March of next year. But then also, are Eugenie and Jack paying – it sounds like they're the subletters and they're paying Harry and Meghan, which is very interesting kind of scheme that they've worked out here. Sir Michael Stevens, who's keeper of the Privy Purse, said that it helped their payment, the Sussex's payment, helped to offset the reduction from the 53% fall in tourism-related finances. Of course, the British tabloids are all upset in in a flutter. They are upset that it was revealed Charles was paying for the Sussex's security until April, between April and June of last year. And they say that seems to contradict what Harry and Meghan said in the Oprah interview. Here's that clip. But also the, the Netflix and the Spotify of it all, that was never part of the plan. Yeah. Because you didn't have a plan. We, didn't we have, have a plan. A plan. That, was, that was suggested by somebody else by the, by the point of where my family literally cut me off financially. And I had to afford, afford security for, for us. Wait, hold, hold up, wait a minute. Your family cut you off? Yeah, in the first half, the first quarter of 2020. But I've got what my mum left me. And yeah. without that, we would not have been able to do this. So what's confusing is that the first quarter in the U.S. is January to March. But in the U.K., it's actually April to June. So oh. it, it does line up, and I think that's where the confusion was. But also, you know, the British tabloids are saying, well, look, like Charles is saying he paid $4 million. But what's not being told is how that breakdown is actually split between the two brothers. So we don't know how much actually went to Harry and how much went to William. Mm. Could it have been, you know, it's not... It couldn't is it have, less? Is it more? Yeah. We don't know if it's 50-50. Yeah. Yeah, we have no idea. Um, we also don't know when those payments exactly stopped. It was sometime between April and June, but it's... Probably the most likely is that Charles gave them the rest of the money in that time span and said, look, this is all we're giving you after this is the last, you know, this is the last bulk amount of money that we're going to give you. And then you're on your own. And that's, I think, what Harry and Megan were saying in the Oprah interview as well, that they were cut off financially. They got this last payment from Charles. And then it was like, that's it. You're cut off. Goodbye. And April to June is when they were officially done as working royals. Yeah, I mean, March 31st. Yeah, March 31st. So they got, like, one more payment, it sounds like. I mean, I just don't think they would have had to turn to Tyler Perry and had to borrow his house if they weren't in this kind of financial trouble that they first saw for themselves. We don't know how much their security is, but I would think it's a really hefty amount if they really had to borrow, you know, or or tap into Harry's trust from Diana, you know? So I think that that's such – it's like, why are you poking holes in this when the – Keeper of the Privy Purse has said that they're, you know, these are two separate things, but I think that it's interesting to note that, like, the sovereign grant, like, what's being said is that the Sussexes really helped kind of offset the deficit that the And Royals it was faced. nice that they actually pointed, gave them that credit. Did you think that when you, you I know, felt like that was super, like, that was... It was rare, a, I guess it, I should di- say. Diplomatic moment, you know, yeah. for them to say, 
honestly, this is how the, and that's how finances are. Like you can't hide behind the numbers, you know, Mm -hmm. like the numbers speak for themselves. Like it is clear that the Royals had a bigger surplus than, I mean, a bigger deficit than last year and that the Sussex's payment helped to alleviate some of that. So the transparency on this was nice, but we want to get yeah. into the next section of that well, in yeah, terms and of transparency. The, <laughs> right. So that's the diversity aspect. So the second part is that they disclosed the proportion of ethnic minority employees in the sovereign grant. And within Buckingham Palace alone, it's 8.5% ethnic minority employees. In Clarence House, it's 8%. And Kensington Palace did not reveal the percentage, but it's thought to be considerably lower so they also said that there's a target of 10 percent by the end of 2022 what are what are your thoughts here i think i just my gut reaction is that eight eight and a half percent eight percent feels incredibly low given the number of staffers but also the fact that you know the goal of 10 percent by the end of 2022 doesn't feel aggressive enough to me like is that your take that's my take, too. I think, you know, we kind of talked about this earlier and how the numbers shake out. And actually, 8.5% of 499 is 43 employees, and 10% is only 50 employees. So that's just a surplus of seven people that they have to hire in, in you know, a year, by uh, more than a year, in a year and yeah. a half. Seven people just doesn't seem like it's that aggressive of a goal. I mean, we don't know exactly, like, how many open positions there are or what positions they need filled or how many – are they beefing up employee in general um, – you know, employment in general across the board. I just think for – the kind of statistics of how London census shakes out. So 14% of the population in England and Wales is Mm non-white. And in London, that number is 35%. So 10% just seems so low in comparison to all that. But also, if you think about the Commonwealth, I mean, one of the things they mentioned in this report was we recognize that our own workforce needs to reflect the communities we serve. And they specifically mentioned the Commonwealth, mm-hmm. which has, you know, 19 countries that are located in Africa, India, Pakistan. Like, it just it just feels like it's not enough. It's not aggressive enough. The idea is that this number will keep increasing. I think I just wish that it was at 15% by the end of 2022. And then the yeah. next year, it was just continually, every year, the I mean, I think the idea, hopefully, from this admission or sort of transparency is that they'll keep increasing that number. But I just feel like, like we were saying, like it just feels like there could be a higher goal by the end of 2022 because that's right. a year and a half from now. Well, and they mentioned that. So Sir Stevens, the keeper of the Privy Purse, he said, we recognize that despite all our efforts to target recruitment, train our managers in diversity and inclusion, and to build an inclusive workplace, the results are not what we would like. But we are committed to improving this. And hence, we have started to publish for the first time our diversity statistics to ensure that we are both open and transparent about our efforts to improve. I think also what we really need to know from this report, and hopefully next year it's improved upon, is what's the pay gap? How do these ethnic minority salaries compare to their white counterparts, the white employees there? What exact jobs do these people hold? How does that compare? You know, so I think there's so much we still don't know. And and hopefully them saying we're going to keep improving and be open and transparent. I mean, it needs to be radical transparency. It does. It's just not. But one question I have just, you know, with that statement, it's so, it feels incredibly rare to get a statement. I know we're just like, oh my gosh, just like one tiny, like little nugget of like, I, I do feel like that's cool that they are acknowledging that they need to change publicly. Like that just never happens. It's not enough by far, but I am like, 
it seems well, for like them, for them to like they literally quote said the palace said there is more work to do on the issue of diversity that's huge that well it's way better huge. than that like bogus diversities are which what's going on with that that so that was just shelved like they they said that they may revisit it but there's they're not hiring one at the moment so there's no diversity chief which i think is just so obvious that that was such a pr stunt yeah. to kind of cast a spotlight away from megan and harry's racism accusations mm-hmm. and i think that that truly shows how this game works it's a game of manipulation and a game of the media with with uh you know the invisible contract that we mentioned so i do think that while it is huge that they're saying there's more work to do on the issue, I mean, and it's better than William's throwaway comment of we are very much not a racist family. Yeah. There's still so much that we need to know. There I mean, is. Ken- this is just Palace like the tip of the iceberg. Sh- yeah. Right. Kensington Palace didn't even share a number for their ethnic minority mm-hmm. employees. So I just think that there's there's so much. I yeah. mean, why, why not hire diversities? Are? I know that that was kind of such a like – just, a little bizarre of a title, but at the same time, yeah, it's yeah, like we just, just like a show in the way. But it does feel like it would be a step in the right direction. Yeah, so. absolutely. So, yeah, really great right, well, uh, going through this, Roberta. I feel like it's it's a lot. There's so. so much more to dig into. It's it's really interesting. But yeah, the report was massive. So yeah. All right, well, before we adjourn the royal pod, here are highs and lows. It's time for the royal highs and lows. Milo is just this Earl of Dumbarton report. Did you hear about this? No. Okay, so this report says that Harry and Meghan declined to give Archie the title, pass on the title of Earl of Dumbarton, because they didn't like that it had the word dumb in it, and they thought Archie would be made fun of, which is so silly. (laughs) And anyone from this area would never think twice about that being, you know, it's just so, so strange. I just think this feels like a tabloid made up kind of thing. It also feels very contradictory because Harry and Meghan have those titles. They accepted them on their wedding day. They went in Scotland, they were the Earl and Countess of Dumbarton. So I think it's really funny too that even Scottish officials laughed it off. Uh, Jackie Bailey, a member of Scottish Parliament tweeted, I'm reflecting on this low blow and will issue a full statement in the morning. It is a low blow, my goodness. Like it's not to Harry and Meghan, but to Dumbarton. It's just not cool. And for, whoever, not cool. for whoever made up this story to be like, it has the word dumb in it. It's like, oh, well, imagine the pitch meeting for that. Like Sussex <laughs> has the word sex in it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's so stupid. I don't know. Roberta, so you're so silly. funny. Milo is just, and I guess we're just doing a lot of highs and lows on the Sussexes. Apologies. We're, we're branch off in a minute. But um, basically, you know, just the interviews with passengers that were maybe on the flight that Prince oh Harry was on gosh. from LAX to the UK. Did you see some of these? Uh, yes, HRHS like- Sussex, the Instagram account, is such a good follow for this because she was screenshotting a lot of those. But um, Natalie said, I was sat in business and I woke up after a nap and got up to stretch my legs. I was walking up and down and I could have sworn I saw a guy in first class in sweats asleep. Just the vagueness. Is that supposed to, I mean, is it Prince Harry? Is it not? Like, who's doing these interviews? Uh, the follow-up also, her ag- acknowledging what I just said, she said, it might have been him, but then it might not have been. Like, Eureka, we, we officially don't know if this was an actual reliable source on the plane with Harry. It just, I love that of all course, the passengers Daily Mail. said that. Yeah, I love that all the passengers are like, there was a man sitting in first class with his <laughs> head down. And everyone's like, maybe it was the prince. But I just think it's so 
so funny that the Daily Mail is like, these passengers were next to Harry. There's no confirmation in anything they've said that that even comes close to that. Yeah, there's not even a distinguishing characteristic. It's not like, I saw, I don't know, it's just like, I saw the prince in first class would be great. Interview that person, but these are all just so random. Anyways, it made me laugh. It was a low. I love it. All right, my high this week is, so I was going to talk about James Middleton getting dressed up in a velvet blue jacket, (gasps) but I think I have to talk about new pictures of baby Augie. Wow. I love the I love right the now. last second switch here. Yeah, last second. I know your love here. of James. This is the link. I chatted. Right, it I got to it. You. I got it. I haven't seen these pics. Eugenie took August to see elephant statues in <gasps> London's Green Park. I just feel like we haven't gotten to see August's face since he was born, since that oh. very first photo, and so we get to see his face, and he's so cute. she's he's loving so motherhood. Big. It's like you can only imagine how excited she is to just share him with the world. I also think August is a redhead. I think there's a (gasps) little patch of red hair there. And Eugenie's kind of a redhead. She's like an auburn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is. Has auburn hair. (laughs) I would have parted it anyway, but I just did it live on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm excited to see new pictures of his face because we always see him from the back where they're holding him. And, you know, he has his little sweater on that says August. Or he's in a pram or he's in the baby Bjorn. So we haven't seen him since February. That's a long time. At it least is. four months. Great photo update. I, I, it was only a couple hours ago that this went live. I haven't seen him. My high is the idea that royal red carpet events are back. Prince William, his Earthshot announcement confirms that the first annual awards, which will honor the inaugural five finalists, will be held October 17th at Alexandra Palace in London. I actually checked it out, the geotag, and it looks like it's a venue with a lot of outdoor potential. So I feel like it's a really safe choice in the event, you know, still figuring out the pandemic. Uh, But he said... It will include show-stopping performances and never-before-seen musical collaborations. Who do you think? I feel like Shakira, we know, is involved. Oh, that's and, right. I forgot about Shakira. You know, I think it'll be really exciting. But I'm just like, bring on the fashion. Bring on this whole concept, which I cannot wait to see what the first five finalists have come up with. Because I think that that's really exciting, too, just the idea of it. But I'm excited. I'm so excited the red carpet events are back. I feel like even, you know, even James Middleton dressing up with his fiance. That was oh, just yeah. so, I'm sure so they're on thrilling the guest list. to see the pictures. All right. Well, is that it for this week? That's we had it? so much. That's it. I feel like, and we also have a part two episode we'll coming be back out Friday. We'll on be Friday. back. So we'll talk all about the statue unveiling on Friday. So do not forget to tune in. And for next week, the very special episode with Noah Rothbaum all about royal cocktails, what the royal family likes to drink, where to go if you ever visit London. So that and so much more next week. Reminder, leave us a royal rating on Apple Podcasts. We have over 2K. I'm so excited that we have 2,000 reviews. Uh, this, This review says, love it. I love listening to this podcast. It is so relaxing and light. Yay. So reminder to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and send us an email info at gallerypodcast.com. And till Friday, God God save save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.